Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Socratic Cinema. I'm Casey Clark. I'm Charlie Heatherly. And I'm James Delicio. This week, we're very excited to announce that we jumped into the movie Prince of Egypt. It's an amazing movie. I would highly recommend you see it if you haven't, um, like, before you listen to it. It's definitely worth the experience. This movie is, however, um, a very religious movie, so there is going to be a lot of, like, talks about religion throughout the podcast. Um, I personally do identify as Christian. James? I am a, I'm a, a practicing Catholic. Uh, and I'm a legal heretic. No, I'm agnostic. I don't know what I am. Fair yeah, enough, man. Fair enough. So, as you see, like, we're kind of, you know, all across the board, so it's not going to be somewhat of, like, a bias, but we are going to try to touch on all sorts of points along with the analysis. Um, I personally really, really like the movie. I, if it's like Anastasia for me, like those are same tier, uh, movies <laughs> in my, no, like, nostal- no, nostalgia, listen, whoa, whoa, nostalgia whoa, whoa, whoa. levels. I'm talking about nostalgia levels, uh-huh. not actual, like, because I was watching quality. them at the same time. Yeah. Not quality, <laughs> not quality. Okay. Okay. Um, nostalgia levels because I was essentially watching them at the same time. And when I tell you, I would watch this movie religiously, like had it on disc with special features, would listen to the soundtrack every night before I went to sleep. Like I lived and breathed Prince, Prince of Egypt, but we'll get more into like fun facts and stuff later. How did you guys feel about it? I also have a, a deep connection with this movie. I mean, it's another kind of childhood favorite for me, but I I think I have grown to love it more and more over the years. I, I think, you know, when I was younger, it was kind of just like, okay, cool. It's like another Christian movie, blah, blah, blah. But um, this is a very distinguished movie. It's like the shining example of of how not all Christian movies have to be, like, bad, you know? Because there's a pretty <laughs> bad rap around, like, Christian media in general. And this, to me, is, like, the the gold standard for, for how they should be. Because it's so... Um, what I love about it is how it, it, it is a religious movie, sure, but it's very approachable. Like, I think anyone can watch this movie and enjoy it just the same as, as someone who is Christian or, or not. I don't think that matters very much. And I think that's a good thing, but... Yeah, I, I love this movie. I'm a huge like nerd about scripture, and I love reading into it, like these sort of stories from a literary standpoint. So I am a very big fan of The Prince of Egypt, and I'm looking forward to talking about it. Yeah, when I was uh, first introduced to this movie, well, it was actually just a couple weeks ago, because this is the first time I've ever watched it, is for this podcast. And James and Casey were like, Charlie, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. And they've said that to me about a lot of bad movies. You know, Napoleon Dynamite, (laughs) Megamind. You got to be careful with these two. But, you know, I'll say it. It's my favorite 2D animated movie ever. Yes! There we go. I'll say it right now. I was hooked from the beginning. It, it the the first song where you see Ugh. all of the uh, all the Hebrews working on the on the pyramids and how horrible it is. It very much reminded me of the first song in Frozen, which some people do not consider a banger, but I do. That song is a banger, and I will defend that till I die. See, but like hooked in, James. This is my time to talk. No, no, no. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I, I just got excited about the first song. I got a little eager. No, totally. I uh, a couple things I want to address that you said. Uh, definitely want to talk about the first song. I definitely want to talk about how this relates to other Christian media because I think it's entirely separate from like actual Christian media. Like I think this is an entirely different thing. And then number three, this movie is just so creative in the way that it visually tells a story. And I think it understood the medium of film better than every other 2D movie that I've ever seen. Like this blends so many different art styles. It connects dream sequences in interesting ways. And all around, it's a very interesting movie. The only letdown for me are the individual singing parts where it's just one person singing. I Mm. did not like those. I thought they were lackluster. When everyone came together and sang, really cool. But when it was just Moses, flat. (laughs) So, yeah, I would give this like an 8.5 or a 9 out of 10 for sure. Dang. I mean, I, I think what better place to start in our discussion than that that first opening song? And what a what yes. a way to what a way to start a movie, man! Banger. Uh, 
deliver us. It gives me see it gives you it reminds you of Frozen Charlie. It reminds me of um the opening song of Les Mis, Look Down. I knew oh, it. Oh yeah. It's it, extremely that kind of vibe. What do we what do we think about this? I mean, how how do we feel about this as an opening to The Prince of Egypt? It it sets up the entire stru- the the central struggle of the movie, right? Like the whole you know, the, these Hebrews are being oppressed and all they want is, you know, their, their God to bring them salvation. And then, you know, it ends up being in the form of Moses who comes in and, you know, saves them all. That's my uh, agnostic uh, tale of the book of Exodus, I suppose. But sure. I, I think it's a great opening. I think it blends in very interesting elements that everyone can get behind. Like, I mean, slavery is not really a hard thing to feel bad for. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, when I see slavery in a movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, those people are are, are definitely not good. And I'm already sympathizing with them or sympathizing with the people who are enslaved by the way not the slavers that'd be bad right yeah, yeah, yeah. but <laughs> sympathizing with the hebrews in this case and i think that it does a good job at setting up why i should feel bad for these people you know just the sheer trauma that they've been through their entire lives because what the egyptians did was horrible and it it already makes you feel bad for, or, or it makes you dislike egypt so that when you start seeing egypt through moses's eyes you already know that or, or there's a seed of corruption beneath it all mm-hmm. and then you you sort of go with moses on this journey uncovering that seed and then watching it fester and grow when Ramses uh takes the throne. Ramses is he's a he's a he's a great character. Mm-hmm. I love how they portrayed Ramses. Uh mm-hmm. they took a lot of I think all of the liberties that they took in this movie are all entirely like to its benefit. Mm-hmm. I mean there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of biblical movies that took some pretty atrocious liberties. <laughs> I know for example in uh in the Noah's Ark movie starring Russell Crowe, they have these huge like rock monsters. Hell yeah! For some yeah. reason, Hell but yeah, yeah. I, I think Prince of Egypt, like it, the liberties they take are only to make it more. The text is pretty sparse, you know. the The book of Exodus is pretty terse. There's not a whole lot of <laughs> character development, if you know what I'm saying. So I think stuff like the deliver us sequence is like just just what you need to set the stage. And I, and I also especially like the how how it kind of blends two songs into one there's deliver us and then there's the whole like the, the river song i guess i'm not sure what it's actually called moses just... lullaby I believe. right yeah, yeah 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 and and i love that scene it, it, that gets me like so emotional i don't know but i also like the sequence of moses floating down the river you know yeah and, and all the mm-hmm. all the chaos around him and he's kind of just narrowly avoiding it all i think that does a great job of kind of setting up initially that god's looking out for moses without being super in your face about it it's just like oh this guy is lucky you know he's got someone's got his eye on moses you know up up the big man upstairs big man (laughs) (laughs) yeah i definitely agree i would say there is not a single skip in this soundtrack in my humble opinion We'll see. Okay, Charlie. Maybe I'd skip the magician song just because I don't want to hear them say you're playing with the big boys now for like three minutes. I can't (laughs) believe they wasted such a banger with that chorus. True. You're playing with the big boys now. Like what? (laughs) The big boys. It's so bad. That's fair. That's fair. Uh. But Hans Zimmer, who was just responsible for all all of the music, he did what he what needed to be done, what he had to do. The opening, even watching it, like I've always loved the opening. Like even if I'm listening to it, you are you hear that boom, but you already know what's about to go down. Like you mm-hmm. can feel it. Like the build in that song is absolutely amazing, and you feel it from the opening to the transition to the river's lullaby and i absolutely i absolutely loved it and also to touch on what both charlie and james had said that they really didn't sugarcoat slavery which i found like is super interesting because throughout watching the movie i was like this movie is kind of like they don't sugarcoat anything like they have (laughs) children dropping like flies they did they were just killing everybody, which was very Old Testament. It mm-hmm. is. And I didn't realize, I was like, dang, I was really watching this in, like, <laughs> elementary school. Like, yes, burn everyone. <laughs> and, like, but it's just also, I want to touch on the the animation because I feel like with oh. all the, the transitions, I also want to note, this movie came out a year after Anastasia, and they used the same, like, 2D uh, mixture with 3D. Yeah. And look how much better it was. <laughs> Honestly. How much be- it was nearly, like, I would say nearly seamless. 
Like it was mm-hmm. absolutely like amazing, especially with the river scene where you can tell that like okay, the basket is like 3D animation, but everything else is somewhat 2D mixed with 3D. And it was just amazing. And you see all the really, really good details in the animation throughout the movie. And I just wanted to touch on that. Uh, I especially love the kind of the painted backgrounds. Yeah. I remember, especially in that opening scene, just just the way they painted the um, slums where the Israelites were living. It's just, it's so beautiful. I think visually this film is very striking and it holds your attention uh there's a lot of really cool visual things they do like with um the one that comes to mind most is during the plague of darkness and there's this crazy contrast between the pitch black like egyptian temples and the bright colorful all lit up illuminated uh israelite kind of village it just there's so mm-hmm. many cool cool things like that mm-hmm. that are very very visually striking and it's very appealing to me it's not plain and i appreciate it very much no, for sure. I think that they manage to give an audience that's as diverse as, I mean, any sort of film audience. Like, you can't bet on any single group of people watching it. They they took a story that is honestly, I mean, I don't understand how you would ever expect a kid to 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 listen to this and, you know, not immediately start bawling at all the insane stuff that happens. But they managed to take a lot of the scarier aspects of it or the more confusing aspects of it that 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 pop up within the actual text and then explain them fairly well whether it be through song or 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 good background animation or things like that and they they really focus on driving home the characters and being faithful to the spirit of the story most importantly mm-hmm. be- because instead of saying okay we're going to just try and make a super awesome movie they said how do we in film communicate the story of these characters and the emotions and the morals from it as best as possible and it starts with that first song deliver us and it carries throughout the entire movie where they're caring about okay we need to make sure that the reality of what happened here is not lost like it was indeed you know right that that god was so justifiably angry at his people being enslaved for all that time right mm-hmm. so we need to show slavery in its proper context we need to do all this in its proper context and it was it was really really inspiring to see. As long as we're talking as long as we're talking about the spirit of the characters, I did some cross referencing last night with the uh, the actual book of Exodus. And let me just say, man, DreamWorks did Aaron so dirty. So dirty. dirty. They did him so wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, voiced by Jeff Goldblum. By the way, um, love yeah. him. Love Jeff Goldie. In in okay, so in the in the original text, um, Moses is kind of. For, for much of the book of Exodus and most of the plagues, honestly, Moses is just the one who can kind of communicate with God. But Aaron mm. is the one who's actually doing the talking with Pharaoh and doing the staff things and bringing down the plagues. Um, not Moses. Most of that's Aaron. Whereas in the movie, they kind of portray him as this doubter who's like, uh, I don't buy it, Moses. You've mm-hmm. made our situation worse. But then it's like, no, nah, man. In In the Bible... Moses had stage fright. Aaron was the one who was like turning the river into blood and Moses bringing the plagues. That's that's literally what it is. Moses was like, "Lord, I've never been a good talker," and he's like, "Fine, get your brother Aaron to do it." <laughs> really? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Moses didn't just ask, "Hey, guy, can you like give me something to say, like a script?" Maybe he said, "Nah, we'll just give the staff to the other guy. You know, we'll delegate." By like plague seven or eight, Moses like got comfortable enough to start doing it himself. But yeah, <laughs> most of it was born sons. We were fine. <laughs> no, that was that was got ten. Chill. Don't worry. Moses got to do that one. Oh, I also thought it was interesting that Moses and God have the same voice actor in this movie. They're yeah, both, they're both voiced by Val Kilmer, which I think is very interesting to me. I Ooh. I feel like it's not something because Val Kilmer's voice is not very Old Testament God like. You know, True. it's a lot more kind of vulnerable yeah i have a mm-hmm. fun fact about that actually because Perfect. um they wanted originally they wanted all of the cast ma- like members to put in on the voice so that it wouldn't be considered like offensive or that like could be interpretive that god sounds a specific way uh, but they ended up just having bell kilmer do it as kind of like a nod to his inner voice also being God and just like all those kind of crossovers. But yeah. it's actually really cool that in the background, they still kept in the recordings of the cast saying God's lines. So in the background, you can kind of hear the cast like whispering God's lines behind Val Kilmer's voice. Oh, really? Oh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. 
That's yeah, that's that's which is cool. amazing, an amazing effect, I believe. That's super duper clever. Yeah, absolutely. What I thought was most well, so like as you said, Casey, and I think you pointed this out very well with that really cool fact is that this movie pays attention to detail a mm-hmm. whole lot of the time. And it's very good at sort of taking uh, bigger moments and really distilling them down to their core concepts. One of the points where I thought it had some of the best detail and probably my favorite scene in the entire movie is the hieroglyphic dream scene. Yes. Mm. Loved that. All of the hieroglyphs felt so real. They had all of like the the the, the accurate ones on the wa- on the walls and like they were running as if they were actually on the walls like when they got to all the pillars. They didn't like hop out from pillar to pillar like they would go around the pillar and then when you couldn't see them they'd go back onto the next pillar. It was so, so cool. Mhm. I don't even know how you choreograph that stuff, but that has to be my favorite scene. For you guys, do you think there was one that topped it? Or, I mean, my my favorite scene has been and always will be the um, the plagues song and scene, mm-hmm. just because I love the way they make it so much more nuanced than it is in the Bible, right? Because mm-hmm. um, c- in the Bible, it's just sends down a plague, Pharaoh hardens his heart send that on plague you know it's just kind of this it's kind <laughs> yeah. of the same chapter copy pasted like 10 times but in this one it's very much painted as like moses is so I, conflicted about that i love how they how they showed i mean how hard this has to be for moses imagine having to bring down these atrocities on your people and, and your brother but it's i mean it's you don't have really much of a choice i mean when you think about kind of the atrocities of egypt but i love that this movie, and, and it comes through most in the plague scene to me, it doesn't take a one-sided, like, yay, you know, righteous, God is good. Like, I mean, obviously it does, but you know <laughs> what I mean? It's it's a little bit more nuanced, and it kind of shows that, like, yes, Moses, like, is doing what he has to do, but it's taken a toll on him. There's that scene where he kind of, it's like right at the end of the plague scene where he collapses on the stairs and just starts sobbing after yeah. after one of the plagues happens. And, and you really get to feel it it kind of reminds you that like yeah we're doing this but i mean it ain't it ain't easy to do to do god's will sometimes and i really appreciate them bringing that aspect of it in because it's i feel like it's overlooked a lot of the time yeah i would definitely agree my favorite scene i with with james is that uh the plague scene i will always always get hype for it like mm-hmm. when they hit the the half and half then the facing oh, oh badass my goodness so i good. die every single time but i also like it's very interesting as you were saying james that they really find a way to humanize humanize pharaoh and they find a way to humanize moses in a way that like you said the bible really doesn't do character development in exodus <laughs> yeah not in the old testament it's a whole no it's very cut and dry <laughs> yeah and i just yeah i want to talk more about um ramses later but mm-hmm. yeah just finding that very very interesting yeah the plagues the plagues are cool man as like kind of horrible as they are they're they're pretty cool let me just say also plagues are way cooler in the movie than they are in the bible you know when it's <laughs> when it's raining fireballs down on Egypt? Mm-hmm. That's that's literally just hail in the Bible. Hail? And, and they allude to that in the yeah. lyrics of the song, though. They're like, blah, 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 I send down ice, something about ice, but then you're seeing these fireballs on the screen, and it's like, okay. Yeah, thunderstorm of... The, the Lord sent thunder and hail, and the lightning mm-hmm. flashed to the ground, so the Lord rained hail. Wow, that's sort of boring, Lord. And then, but, yeah, I but like then, the fire and brimstone a lot better. That was more interesting. <laughs> and dreamworks but but i think he makes up with the uh fire and brimstone with the whole angel of death thing mm-hmm. um and Dream- that's how we got passover <laughs> <laughs> right i like how some of these plagues are sort of just a little inconvenient too like oh it's dark for three days well a, a lot of them are, are kind of similar too it's like gnats and flies like <laughs> yeah. those are two separate plagues and yeah, he really goes through the 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 animalia of Egypt. He frogs, gnats, wild animals, pestilence. <laughs> like it, it feels like you're hitting a, a couple of them twice. But uh, yeah, boils. Like why not just do something that like gets all those in one? You know. I guess it's to. Uh, I mean, look, man. Pharaoh. Pharaoh kept on hardening that heart. He was uh, not wanting to give up. I feel like water to... to blood is a is a big one to start off on because like frogs. 
feels a little bit less severe than your entire source of life. Well, has been it's, a, right. it's, an, it's an interest curve, right? You start big to grab attention, <laughs> and then you go through the rising action. It's no, no, no. It's very, it's it's very well played from God. I don't know. I still feel like the darkness for three days is a little is a little bit of a letdown as the penultimate plague. Yeah, but it looks cool. No, it's the calm before the storm, man. You don't get it before mm. death. I don't know. There's been a storm for a very long time. In fact, <laughs> right. a thunderstorm of hail and fire happened like three right. hours before. So I don't know, man. But yeah, I, I honestly I think the, the Pharaoh's motivations in the movie are a little. Uh, dumb though because like if his whole thing is i want to be the best for egypt and i want to have all the power and this and that it's mm -hmm. like dude how are you going to rule over a society whose main source of life has been just turned into blood like how are you going to deal with that dude like maybe the like, magicians will turn it back I don't know if this is true specifically for the blood one but i know as i was kind of skimming the book of exodus at the end of each plague it was kind of funny pharaoh would be like okay okay you win you win i'll let the people go and so moses is like cool and he undoes the plague, and then Pharaoh's like, psych, and hardens his heart. So he manipulates Moses into undoing each of them. And he fell for it every time. This is why Aaron did everything. It, yeah, that's why we had Aaron handle it. But it's kind of interesting, because there's a lot of debate about why Pharaoh hardened his heart. Because in the original Hebrew text, the verb is simply, his heart became hard. It it it's passive. It's not implied like, you know. It just he it just happened. Heart, yeah. But then in some other translations, they decided to change it to his heart was hardened, implying that God hardened his heart just to make a point, I guess. So there's a lot of like, hmm, was it was Pharaoh being a stubborn Sally the whole time, and and <laughs> and or was God kind of like, no, 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 you gotta pay for everything that happened. Like you'll we're done when I say I'm done. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I think Pharaoh was just being a stubborn Sally. I feel like the 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 whole God manipulating him to go psych nine times and then finally hit, <laughs> hitting him with the homie with the with the firstborn thing that seems a little a little ridiculous to me. It's all, I guess. Uh, I mean, like just if you're God, why don't you just do it all at once? Like if you really I, wanted I think to the do thought that. process is that is that God wanted to kind of show Egypt for once and for all that he is like you know. He's like, nah, screw these little Egyptian gods. I'm the big one, and I'm going to show you through ten rounds of this, of this ten nonsense. Ten rounds of ten random rounds of things. Because also when God is on in the burning bush talking to Moses, he does say, like, oh, you'll, you'll try to tell Pharaoh, but he won't listen. So it's like God kind of knew this was going to happen anyways. I guess Predestination? That's how, I guess mm -hmm. that's how God works, though. <laughs> I mean, omnipotence and stuff. I had a three-hour conversation yesterday with uh, the son of a doctor, 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 professor of uh, theology. Uh, doctor, it, doctor, doctor. So, so, so this is Oliver Crisp. He is a doctor, 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 uh, professor. He is, is that an actual – wait, I can't tell if you're just like being funny no, or literally – No, he has three doctorates. How many oh, years period, of, sir. How many years is that that's like i have i have zero years. Clue. a lot he, he knows ecclesiastical law he's the lead he invented his own branch of theological study he's the leading calvinist scholar in the world like he's he's wild so i was having a conversation with his son and one of my other friends about all sorts of like omnipotence and, and things like that it's wild man like yeah. it, it's omnipotence, crazy omnipotence is an interesting conversation to have with a calvinist is all i'm gonna say <laughs> oh predestination <laughs> I don't want to get into it. Right. Also, I'm reading a very cool theory right now that the blood water thing was actually just red algae. Yeah, there's a lot of historical explanations that people have been like finding about the plagues. Um, and it's super, it's super cool. See, that's what I think is super interesting when I look at the Bible and something like Prince of Egypt or, or the book of Exodus. Because I personally don't believe that that Moses was ever like one person. Like I think that entire story is an amalgamation of different tales in histories mm -hmm. that had been combined together into one thing like to me the 10 plagues sounds very uh it, it sounds very possible if this was 10 insane events that happened to egypt at different times yeah and all for different reasons like all of these things are not impossible to have happened and some of the theories that people have brought up sort of make sense like if mm -hmm. your water turns to red algae that's going to kill every single fish in the river right yeah you know, a plague, that's going to bring a lot of different things. Darkness, that could just be a sandstorm. Like, there's tons of different oh, explanations. Boom. That's super interesting <laughs> at a historical level. Yeah, I, I love 
like lo- stepping back and looking at the Old Testament from kind of a, a liter a literary slash historical standpoint, because there's a whole lot of room for like, at least I know it in the Catholic sphere of things, there's a lot of um, you're allowed to have some degree of in- of um, interpretation, I guess. Like we acknowledge that not everything in in the Old Testament is literal, you know, where um, there's a lot of stuff that maybe is not literal and is more kind of meant to get a, a point or a message across rather than be like, this is history. So stuff like this is super fascinating to me, like uh, Jordan Peterson's talks on the Old Testament in the book of Exodus, the Vacation Bible School podcast. Check them out. They're super cool, too. (laughs) All all of the Sunday schools have finally paid off for James. He's ready to just absolutely nerd out. I came equipped. Oh, we love it. But uh, oh, yeah, that's the thing I wanted to talk about. So, James, earlier you said that this movie is like a good example of Christian media that can appeal to a large group, right? Yes. I think it's entirely different than what people refer to as Christian media. I I would agree. I think that although this is a Christian story that stems from the book of Exodus, or I guess Abrahamic, I suppose, uh, would be probably a better way to say that. Sure. Uh, But to me, Christian media, at least as we know it in the modern context, centers around this idea, or at least a lot of the times, that Christian values need to be reasserted within film and media and movies and yeah. and that it's a pro-christian message rather than simply giving you a story from the bible god's not dead is a is a great example of a bad christian movie mm-hmm. because it's trying to actively convert you really and pretend that other religions are are or, or try to prove within a two-hour time span of a movie that other religions are false and that the right. people that are in those religions are bad people yeah, I think that's a bad way of of trying to evangelize. Yes, I, I think just t- I think like just tell the stories that already exist. You know, whether it be like the lives of saints or stories from the Bible, whatever. Just mm-hmm. tell those stories and tell them so that they are appealing to a wider audience, like Prince of Egypt. Yes. I think that because that builds interest and encourages people to you know do more of their own kind of research. I think that's a much better way of doing it, and it's a much less. Uh, divisive way of doing it you know Mm -hmm. yeah like let people experience these stories that have like captivated i mean millions upon millions of people for generations yeah these these stories survive for a reason right they're ancient and they we still talk about them for a reason yeah they're Um, baller fire and brimstone baby they're they're archetypal dude like like, uh, can we also talk about how Yahweh is a sexist firstborn sons? Can I get firstborn females too? Hell yeah, equality, baby. I'd rather have it just be firstborn sons than all kids. I mean, all kids. if we're speaking from a utilitarian point of view, everyone gets the opportunity to be killed. Equal, equal rights, <laughs> equal fights. <laughs> I hate that saying so much. The the only time I will accept equal rights, equal fights is the Deadpool movie joke, which I've said a thousand times, but I love. Uh, never seen it. You've never. Oh my god! That we're watching that next. We need to go Anyways. from from holy to blasphemous within one episode. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah. But another scene I absolutely loved, and I think uh, inspired the Pirates of the Car- the most recent Pirates of the Caribbean movie, is uh, the parting of the Red Sea. When Moses puts his staff down and there's a giant, you know, like, obviously this is iconic imagery, right? When you see the whale going yes, through the sky, the lightning strike, oh, it's so beautiful. It's just absolutely magnificent. I loved it. Incredible. It took them two years to animate that four-minute sequence. What? Really? Yeah. Oh, dang. Which is crazy. Also, my only gripe is why in the world... Were those he, why were they moving so slow? Like they knew that on the other side there were Egyptians that wanted to kill them, but they were lollygagging. There was a fire what tornado. Like, what are you talking I about? I wouldn't have trusted. I'm a little confused about the time frame and the and the way it's portrayed in the movie because it's like the sea is huge first. It's yeah. ginormous. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. We arrive at the sea, then the Egyptians show up right behind them, like on their tails. Mm-hmm. The wall of fire comes up. Moses parts the sea, they go in, and they make it far enough to be, like, almost to the end when the firewall comes out. It's like, how long were the Egyptians just sitting outside the firewall? Yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a little confusing. 
because i mean it's like we don't see any tents set up it's like they're just kind of waiting there <laughs> it just went from day to night are you telling me they walked across the entire red sea in one day yeah the I red would. sea is uh, 169,113 miles uh, squared for its area uh so pretty Ooh. big one might yeah, say yeah a little blue maybe large. they were booking it and they're like yeah. <laughs> we just saw them on like the rest like the rest sections you know where they slowed the True. pace down okay, a little bit. Fair. Exactly. The rest of them, they're just running a marathon. So in rest it's max width is 221 miles, by the way. So they would God. have to walk just a little bit. Just a, maybe, just a you tad. Know. It also is rated 4.5 stars on Google reviews. I'm going to go to the Red Sea and see if I can, like, I'm going to be like an archaeologist and look at the silt on the bottom or whatever and see oh, where it yes, parted. And be like... <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I'm going to try and part it myself. Oh, no, I'm not. No, no, I'm not Moses. How many people do you think go there to do that? There's probably, <laughs> I'm sure there's countless pictures of people trying, like, parting the Red Sea, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. Did oh, any, God. I don't know if this is a unique memory to me. Um, have any of you guys been on the studio tour at Universal Studios? Yes. Mm -hmm. I, for some reason, I feel like every time I did it, there's that part where, like, you're going to go through the water and it, like, opens up and the tour guide always makes a joke about the Red Sea. I don't know oh, if that's yeah. I don't know if that's just mm -hmm. me, but I, I can't think about the book of Exodus without thinking about the Universal Studios <laughs> studio tour. Yes. It's cursed. I actually love that. But yeah, that's my own cross to bear. I'm not gonna <laughs> <laughs> burden you guys with that. Yeah, how dare you, James? Oh now God. we're all stuck with it. Ah oh, jeez. My Ooh, bad. Real quick. Yeah. I would like to say that the women in this movie. I was gonna say they're so powerful. But... I agree. They are. <laughs> I agree, Casey, hundred percent. Like Miriam and Zapora, yes. Yeah, Miriam and Zapora carry the carry the movie. Stacked cast, by the way. Sandra yes. Bullock is Miriam, and Michelle Pfeiffer is Zapora. Mm -hmm. Yes. I don't know why they put a T in there. Zipporah. I'm looking at the IMDb cast list right now. I have it up too. Yeah. Yeah, but they're 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 both great characters. And once again, I mean, from what I read in the Bible, I did not see much of Miriam at all, and and Zipporah was like barely in it a little bit. So once again, good on DreamWorks for like taking this bare bones story and fleshing it out into this great like narrative. It's incredible, incredible yeah. work. And they actually they. It says here that they uh, conferred with over or about 600 religious experts to try to keep it as accurate as possible. 600? And they Dang. still did Aaron dirty. <laughs> I know. All this work and you still do Aaron wrong. I guess it would make for a less interesting protagonist if most of the time your protagonist is, is really not doing very much. <laughs> I meant, like, yeah. like, he can get through talking to Pharaoh without, like, post-it notes, index cards. You know, how can you talk to God comfortably but not Pharaoh? Yeah, that's <laughs> right? a little... I, it's, it's kind of funny because every chapter of the Bible is it's like, Moses has a little meeting with God, and then he goes, okay, now go tell Aaron to take his staff and strike <laughs> it on the ground and turn the river into blood. Like, it's, so, it's so tough. It's like... Um, Wait, why can't he just tell Aaron? Like, why does Moses need to be the middleman? Um, that's a very good question. Because he's the one who escaped. Yeah, he's the, he's like, there's something symbolic about him being from Egypt. I love also how much of like, the, the book of Exodus is the blueprint. Like, everybody want to talk about the hero's journey, but no one want to talk about how <laughs> Moses is the hero's journey. <laughs> right? Oh God, you're right. This is the, this is the blueprint. And I mean, I guess, you, I mean... Probably not literally the book of Exodus. You know, it could be any number of primeval stories that, you know, are kind of like similar. You know what I'm saying, though? The Moses <laughs> story is like, it's like the, the, the prototype for everything else. I stumbled upon an essay the other day comparing Moses to Batman, and I was floored. I have a fun it... fact. When Go you're... ahead. No, oh. I'm, I am. I'm going to leave it with that. Oh. <laughs> I was just going to say that Val Kilmer and Christian Bale have both played Moses and Batman. What? Yeah. Yeah, Val Kilmer. When, yeah. when did Val Kilmer play Batman? I'm not, I'm not the, a DC guy. In the, what was it? Oh, was it? It's Forever. Batman Forever? Is that the one where he has like the, the nipple built into his armor? That's, well, yeah. 
There are two <laughs> movies where he has the bat nipples, but Val Kilmer was in, um, it was the, I don't think it was the Tim Burton one. It was the one that wasn't directed by Tim Burton. Right. Okay. Not, not to the, not to distract us from our Prince of Egypt content, but while we're talking about Batman, have y'all been seeing the DC news that is being poured upon us during this pandemic? I'm living this drought. Ugh. Let me say, like, so Mar- Marvel kind of lost me after Endgame. Like, I'm not very excited for Black Widow, and I'm not very excited for, like, most of the movies they have slated coming up. It's just, like, I don't want to go through the energy of having to have another Marvel Cinematic Universe poured upon me. Like, I have superhero fatigue, but a lot of these DC movies are looking kind of fresh. Wonder Woman 84? Grumptious. I don't know, I don't know oh. about Wonder Woman 84. Fight! Christian Wig. I don't know. I don't know why they bring know, him back. Man. I don't I don't know how I feel about them bringing Wonder Woman's boyfriend back from the dead. I mean, it's I a know. weird cat sequel that dead. they decided to do, but I'm glad that there's only one cat <laughs> it in it. Is now. have it has what's her name? Cheetah? Is she that's like the her villain. Cheetah, name. yeah. I'm super hyped. I think that the main advantage that the the DC universe is having over Marvel right now is is number one, everyone's sort of tired of Marvel heroes, and you've sort of expended the best of the best, really. Mm-hmm. But with DC, what they're doing is they're trying to take their characters in unique directions. Yeah. So with with Wonder Woman, they're going to a really cool 80s aesthetic, and they're basically going to make the better Captain Marvel movie. Uh, that's True. what they're going to do, because Captain Marvel Hot sort take. of fell flat in comparison to what I believe Wonder Woman 84, is it, is going to be? Yeah, 84. Uh, 1984, and, yeah. Yeah, 1984. Well, oh, 1984. Gonna, yeah, it takes place in 1984. <laughs> George Orwell. I know. Like, why would you pick that year? <laughs> I don't know. And then you see something with Batman where they're going for a very realistic, very gritty. Like, this is no Nolan film. This is going to go ham. It's I'm Detective so excited Batman. for Robert. Pa- yeah, it's Detective Batman. And that's the coolest Batman, in my opinion. But the yeah. one that's going to be most interesting to me, I think, is Suicide Squad. Have you seen the cast list? Yeah, it's it's wild. They say it's going to be a, a, a like a set an eighties war movie or something like a seventies war, like movie. a Vietnam war movie combined with Suicide Squad. Like characters are going to get shot in the face and die in that. Yeah, here's here's like Suicide Squad is the one that's most interesting to me too because we all know how the last Suicide Squad movie went. I don't think we need to talk about yep. that. Horrible. But here, nope. here's the only thing that's confusing to me with this like slew of DC movies, and I'll talk about Suicide Squad first. I'm worried with how big the cast is, right? There's like 50 billion Suicide Squad members this time around. So I'm expecting a lot of them to die. Super hyped that it's James Gunn. Yep. Um, are, mm-hmm. are we saying that the old Suicide Squad still existed here? Because Margot Robbie's still playing... I, I'm just very worried about the continuity. Oh, I don't care. I'm willing to to say the first movie never <laughs> happened. Right. No, yeah, I'm just confused because I want to know what DC is saying happened. Like, did Birds of Prey happen? I don't I don't know what's canon and what's not. To my knowledge, the way that Suicide Squad works within the comics is that it's meant to be a rotating cast. Right, but uh, like time period-wise, if it I is mean, a, is it literally a 70s war movie? I don't think so. I think it's just the energy of a 70s war okay. movie. Okay. Sure. Like, that's what, because James Gunn's very good at doing, like, retro, but, uh, you know, in the new yeah. age. I think Suicide Squad was the perfect fit for him because of that. Mm-hmm. And I he, I don't know why he's channeling 70s war movie. That's really interesting to me. It uh, has John Cena in it, though. And Pete it Davidson. Ha- it has John Cena, Pete Davidson, Nathan Fillion, like, big names. Idris Elba. Yeah. Idris Elba. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. I, I, I'm definitely, ex- <laughs> like, I'm glad James Gunn is doing it because I, I think... Everybody, including DC, knew that the other Suicide Squad was just kind of like their bad attempt at a Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad they're just kind of like yeah. embracing that fact and bringing James <laughs> Gunn. Um, I think it'll be interesting, though. I'm looking forward to it. I have the same questions about the Batman one. Because, like, are we? does Ben Affleck still exist, or has that been retconned? Because they're releasing the Snyder Cut. Yeah, and he's returning as Batman in the Flash movie. I don't get it. I don't get it, but maybe it's going to be kind of like the Joker movie where it's a separate, separate universe. Yeah, I think what I've been hearing, like the speculation is, is that DC is not trying to go for a cinematic universe anymore, given, you know, like after Wonder Mm -hmm. Woman and Superman, Batman, Aquaman, like, you know, like they 
they're like, all right, Marvel already already beat that to death. And we knew that like we can't really compete with not like compete with that, but we have to do something discernibly different, which is yeah. why they're kind of like they they're having different people play the same characters or having same characters show up in different like time periods. Like I don't think they're going necessarily for continuity. I think they're going for uh quality content. <laughs> and maybe that's the right approach. Way to go. I think no, that I'm might be the it, yeah. I think that might be the right approach. I'm super excited for the tape duct tape version of Riddler that we're getting in the yes. But I've also heard that they're casting someone as Penguin, so maybe it'll be kind of like a a movie where we get to see a bunch of smaller Batman villains. Like, it's not going to be one big bad. It'll be like more. I don't know, but they're kind of building up Riddler's the gallery. Bad. Yeah, a Rogues Gallery. Movie. I'm down for Perfect. a Rogues Gallery. I'm so glad know. they're leaning into Riddler though, because Riddler is like the perfect fit for a detective batman movie like his whole yeah. thing is is being a puzzle right mm -hmm. and it, it's really i i'm glad they're taking him in a in more of a gritty role than like the the pinstripe green suit with the you know you know yeah, question marks all over it mr wayne <laughs> like they're, they're taking the core concept of a character and evolving it in an interesting way and i think they're doing that for a lot of different characters across these dc properties and franchises which is very interesting to me the movie that stood out to me as the most boring or had the worst trailer that was definitely the snyder cut what a horrible song choice whoa 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 i'm gonna have to take a hard <laughs> okay disagree. well I, I love that song the person who sang it did horrible or horrible that's, i think that's i'm pretty sure that's the original maybe <laughs> what, Damn. i'm glad they remastered it then that I'm was gonna, god I'm awful gonna, i'm gonna counter you i'm gonna say i think the most boring trailer to me uh was black adam I'm so, I think it it'll be a cool like movie. Really, a trailer. I don't know. It, was I, it like looked a, like a Mortal Kombat cutscene. Oh, um, true. <laughs> well, that was the intention, right? It was, it was just meant to be like concept art. Like, it, it I, makes I, me I don't even really they, consider yeah, that a trailer. It makes me think know. that they haven't like gone that far in production with it, which is understandable. Oh but, no, not at all. That's like they're. Yeah, I yeah. think it, it's basically a lot of pre-concepts. It's just like an working. announcement. Yeah, I, I also yeah. don't know. Is, is he like a bad guy? Yes, Black Adam. Yes, he is. Ah. I would just like Shazam 2. I really like uh, Shazam. There is a Shazam 2. It's coming it's out. It's coming out, yep. yeah. Okay, because I love Shazam 1. Like, Shazam 1, to me, was like a perfect superhero movie. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really good. Um, Shazam 1 was really good. I don't know. I'm sort of hyped for, for Black Adam, but I just feel like... The Rock. Kind of Snapping uh, necks. That's what I'm I can't for. see The Rock as a bad guy. True. He's just like charismatic while he's yeah, he murdering does. people that might be what black adam's thing is though like i'm not sure how like horrible he is yeah because he was kind of like the liberator of his people kind of like um moses if you think of <laughs> <laughs> them and moses together finally what a segue james that was segue. a really and good we're segue back. <laughs> we're back. back to the socratic cinema podcast special episode about prince of egypt and the DC fan dome announcements all in one. Oh my gosh, can I clickbait the title? Is that just for please? you? Yeah, this is like a yes. um a double feature. Let's double go. Feature. We totally planned it this way from the beginning, by the way. So you can't say we uh like had a misleading title or anything. This is all part of the plan. <laughs> um, certainly cannot. So I have a theory. Like when I was when I was watching, like talk, I just want to talk about like more about Ramses because I feel like with the liberties taken with his like character development, that they really hammered home like the toxic cycle of like yes. parent like emotional abuse, <laughs> Loki, like between like Pharaoh always, you know, like being super super hard on Ramses. Which makes sense, you know, like, time period-wise. Like, you know, like, you're going to be the next Pharaoh, so you can't be out here fooling around and doing all this stuff. But you can obviously, like, see that Pharaoh... I mean, that Ramses really internalized it. And even on the later scenes where you see him kind of... I, I love the scenes where it's like the pharaoh talking and in the background it's the pharaoh statue in his yeah. like silhouette and then mm -hmm. they even bring that back um they bring that back with ramses when he's yeah when he's talking to moses and you even 
I feel like for me, when I was younger, I was like, oh, he didn't have to kill Ramsey's son like that. But I feel like there was definitely some hints to the repeated cycle that even if he had let Ramsey's son live, that Ramsey's son wouldn't have changed anything. Like if you see like looking at the river turning to blood scene, like that kid was entirely too interested in those yeah. guards going to chop Moses up when they're looking at the hieroglyphs after they were like trying to talk when it's kind of like uh hinted to Moses that like the next plague is going to take Ramsey's son from him. Yeah, I love that foreshadowing. I wanted to talk about that. The the scene yes. where we see the hieroglyph of the infanticide of the Israelites and we have Ramsey's son like sitting right in the alligator pit like right in front of the alligator pit on the hieroglyph that's such good foreshadowing and it's all visual right show don't tell yes excellently done it's so it's so amazing yeah and i feel like it's really i really liked what they did with ramses like they Mm -hmm. it was very obvious that he deeply deeply cared about moses which Mm -hmm. i feel like was good you know taking the liberty of giving him something to like do outside of like oh his heart hardened like no like he felt the deep betrayal from someone that he's always stuck his neck out for and Mm -hmm. like at the end like at the end of their relationship a lot of things like he wasn't Ramses wasn't chosen you know like he was never going to be Moses's first choice even though Moses was always you know like Ramsey's first choice like he was mm. always going to be protecting him or doing mm-hmm. stuff to like get him out not like out of trouble but you you know what I mean yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah like kind of being his protector in a sense so I definitely really really like that character development of like give where it's like no he's not just this hardened villain where he's like actually no I'm a I'm a keep my slaves actually yeah. You can go back to the desert. Like, no, it was definitely more in-depth than that. I, I especially love um, seeing how kind of naive Ramses is about all the, like, oh, the Egyptian kingdom's great, man. Don't worry about it. Like, when, when Moses kills the slave driver, Ramses mm-hmm. is like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. I'll just make it like it never happened. Like, this is fine. You don't have to worry. Everything's fine. I, I like how kind of brainwashed Ramses is into the whole yes. cycle, like you were saying. Um I also thought it was ironic when Pharaoh is initially talking to Moses after the whole like chariot race fiasco and and Pharaoh tells Moses he was like you'll never have a responsibility to bear like Ramses does. And I just yes. love, I love that yeah. foreshadowing and that irony. It's like, "Oh, just you wait and see, man. I'd say <laughs> like killing your brother's firstborn is a pretty big word to bear." <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, no. there's all sorts of of nice foreshadowing in this movie and and i feel like a lot of that foreshadowing like oftentimes people forget how good of a literary work the bible is just like Mm -hmm. writing wise literature wise and i feel like they probably drew on a lot of the different techniques that they use within the bible when it comes to foreshadowing probably like even across whole books of the bible again i'm not as experienced with it as james and casey i only went to a elementary school first grade baby Let's go <laughs> church every single Friday. But like the, they really took a lot of the techniques from within the Bible. They really paid attention to their source material. I mean, 600 experts seems like a ridiculous number, like just off the face of it. But it, it just shows the lengths that they went to to make sure that the story was told reliably and truthfully while injecting some nuance that probably didn't exist in there. Like Casey's mm-hmm. entirely right. That whole cycle of 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 brainwashing people into believing this big Egyptian lie that you're more powerful than others. Like it was going to happen with the sun, no matter what. And, Mm -hmm. and, and maybe that was the reason that, that God did what he had to do. Like he had to end the cycle there by any means necessary. And if, if Ramsey's son was allowed to, to take the throne after Ramsey's died, then that's what would have happened. Like if he just smited Ramsey's, you would have just had Ramsey's 2.0. You would have mm-hmm. always had that pain and suffering and an obliviousness to like how life is actually going on with with common people within it. And the Bible does kind of do that, but in a different way, in a much more subtle way. It it does have this sort of cycle with the Pharaoh, but in a way that's much more under the surface. And and it does it how it goes about this is it doesn't refer to the different pharaohs 
by name at all. It's always constantly just Pharaoh. Like historically, mm -hmm. yeah, it was three or diff different Pharaohs, but the Bible doesn't even bother to make that distinction because by the time you're Pharaoh, you're just as bad as the last one. Um, mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's, a, it's like, it does it, but it's so subtle. And this movie just kind of takes those subtleties and those nuances that are in the Bible and brings them kind of out, you know, it kind of coaxes them out in, in full force. And I, and I love it. Yeah. I hate to say it. It always pains me to say it, but I always have to. We are starting to encroach on our time for today. Maybe it's because we spent so long talking about DC, but, you know, frankly, it's fine. It. it's fine with me. You guys got treated to a special double feature today. Um, so... With that being said, uh, what do we give Prince of Egypt out of 10? Let's do that today. I already said my score, 8.5 to 9. Okay, Casey? would give it a 9.5 out of 10. A 9.5? Whoa, jeez. Nearly a yes, perfect sir. film. Nearly you... a perfect film. I am going to give it a 9 as well. I think I'm going to give it a, a strong 9. So the Socratic Cinema average rating is somewhere... I guess if you average 8.59 and 9.5, you just get 9, don't you? Yeah, that's how yeah. math works. AP Calc, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's the Socratic Cinema official endorsement. You should watch this movie, whether you're Christian, Catholic, or agnostic, or something in between. Uh, give this movie a watch. It's, it's super great, super cool, and we hope you enjoy it as much as we do. But with all that being said... Thank you so much for listening to this yet another episode of the Socratic Cinema Podcast. It's been a blast recording. We hope you've had a blast listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your friends, uh, whether it's on word of mouth or social media or what have you. Um, if you enjoyed it, share it. Uh, please give us a follow on our social media. Our Instagram is Socratic underscore cinema. Our Twitter is at Cinema Socratic. And our Twitch is, I believe, just Socratic Cinema. Um, you'll find you'll find them all. Don't worry. Don't worry about getting the specifics. You'll find us. Yeah, you got um, it. Make sure to check out our other episodes if you haven't already. We just launched a new series, Socratic Side Quests, where we talk about video games. We debuted with a video or a podcast about The Last of Us Two. So go check that out if that sounds like something you're interested in. But we've got lots of other podcasts for you to check out. So go do that. Uh, as always, you know, drop a like, drop a comment give us a review on apple podcasts if that's where you're listening and uh thank you again for listening and i think with all that being said we have been socratic cinema adios, adios. <laughs>